Great to have you here today on this Mother's Day. You know, I just got finished uh, teaching over at the uh, 8 o'clock service, and um, I told them, you know, Happy Mother's Day, Grandmother's Day, Great Grandmother's Day, and uh, I said, are there any great, great grandmothers? And a couple of them went, yeah. In fact, do we have any here? Any great, great grandmothers? Okay, praise God for you guys. Now, I, I also said that in the first service, and I said, as a joke, there wouldn't be any great, great, great grandmothers, and an elderly woman in the back raised her hand and said, yes, I am. Now, I don't know if she didn't hear me or not, but um, we gave her praise. In, in, so is there anybody here? Any great, great, great grandmothers? Right there. God bless you. Let's say thank you. Yeah, great, great, great. That is awesome. That is awesome. All right, then I got to ask, any great, 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 great grandmothers around here? Okay, all right, all right, all right. Well, my name is Pastor Brad, and it is great to have you here on this day where we can just um, acknowledge the moms and the blessings of them in a lot of different ways. Uh, you know, I'm excited because throughout this service today, the services today, we're getting to dedicate 18 children, uh, and next week when you come back, we'll be back on the main campus, we're going to get to baptize over 40 people next week in all three of our services. So that will be incredibly exciting. Yeah, those are lives changed that we are just celebrating and rejoicing with. But today, if you have your Bibles, you can open them up to the book of Luke, chapter 10. We are in a series called um, The Other Suppers where we have been looking at the meals of Jesus, mainly from the book of Luke, as they show us uh, the heart of Jesus, the mission of Jesus, the passion of Jesus. And um, the lesson that we're going to live today, or that we're going to learn today, is for anyone who has been frazzled by the pace of life. Um, and, uh, you know, let me just ask you if you could admit it. How many of you would say, yes, at some point and at some time in my life I have run on empty. Anybody here acknowledge that? Absolutely. We all have at some point in time probably run on empty. Moms, I know that you have uh, women and all that you do, uh, men, dads, and uh, what you are called to do, has the family, uh, also with work and such. Students, it is final season. Students, do we have any students here as well? Any students? God bless you guys, and can I say just on behalf of the entire church family, we are glad we're not you, all right? That is good, but God bless you guys as you are studying as well for finals. Uh, just a real busy time, but busyness brings with it costs and consequences, and one of those truths that we learn from that is that we are not made to run on empty. I mean, God's Word states that very clearly. God demonstrated it for us on the sixth day of creation. After that, He rested on the seventh day. He took a break and rested. In fact, Ten Commandments of the Ten, and they may I remind you, they are not suggestions, okay? They are still commandments that are given to us. Of those ten, one of them says, take time to rest, to observe the Sabbath, to keep it holy. Even in basic grammar, would you believe that resting is important? Now, you might say, what in the world are you talking about, Pastor Brad? Look at the phrase on the screen behind me, okay? If I was to say, let's eat grandma, that has a totally different meaning than 
let's eat, Grandma. Am I right? Okay. All that to show what you should now know, commas save lives, right? Okay. So even in basic grammar, we know that we have to rest. Well, let me show you a little bit deeper theological teaching, um, although that is handy for you to know, right? That is out of Luke chapter 10. This is the other supper life lesson out of Luke chapter 10, verse 38. It reads like this. It says, now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village. And a woman named Martha welcomed him, that is Jesus, into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the feet, the Lord's feet, and listened to his teaching. Now, we don't know the last name of Martha, but from what we learn here, it could have been Martha Stewart. Okay? We, we just don't know that. And then Mary is, is an interesting name because I, I, I looked at that and I said, okay, which Mary is this? This is not Mary, the mother of Jesus. This is not Mary Magdalene who is healed from the demons that possess her. This is not even Mary, uh, uh, wife of Cleopas, that is in here. This is one of the other Marys, which I guess means that they had a shortage of first names in the New Testament for females. Because so many of them are called Mary, 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 Mary. She's here as Martha is busy, distracted. Mary, though, is sitting at the Lord's feet, listening. It says in verse 40, but Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. But one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Now understand this. If you have your outline, you can fill in these. They're going to come quickly. Like many Christians, Martha was eager to serve. She was eager. It's a good thing. But we have to be careful that even when we serve, we don't lose focus, which losing focus will make us distracted by the details. And we become distracted by those details and gets our focus off what the main thing is. In fact, verse 40, it says, she was distracted with much serving, which is a good thing. But get the picture of this. Understand what really is going on here. The God of the universe is now in the flesh eating chips and dip off of your coffee table. And you miss him. You miss what he is doing in your presence. I mean, it's like, come on, Martha. He's right there. But how many of us are like Martha and we miss that same type of situation where God appears? I, I mean, let's imagine for just a moment he appeared to you while we are right here in the midst of this Bible teaching. Let's say he came up and whispered beside you and said, uh, I'd like to tell you a few things. I don't think at that moment you would say, uh, excuse me, I'm sorry, but Pastor Brad has got some deep truths here. I'm going to enter in these fill-ins and just put him on hold, Right? You would say, okay, you're here, speak to me. 
See, we get, we, get, we get eager to serve, and when we don't keep the reason why we serve, we get distracted by the details, which takes us to a different place, and that place that it takes us is making us self-absorbed, making it more about us than it is about the reason that we are serving. In fact, we start probably thinking here, as Mary did, we start thinking, if it wasn't for me, nothing would get what? You guys have said that a time or two, have you? Right? If it wasn't for me, nothing would get done. That's a more now about me than it is about someone else. I mean, again, put yourself in the picture here. Do you see what is happening here? Martha says in verse 40b, Lord, you do not care. Do you see what's going on in this picture? Jesus is teaching. He is teaching words that are going to end up in the scriptures. And here comes Martha trudging into the living room and saying, uh, excuse me, excuse me, but um, I need a little help out here. I know Mr. Messiah here has all the words he's going to share with you all, but I don't have anybody to help me with the guacamole in the kitchen. That's, that's really what she is doing and saying, isn't she? She's becoming self-absorbed. She's becoming more about her than it is the reason that she is sharing or the reason that she's serving, which leads to the next point on there, and that is resentful. It makes her become resentful for what she's doing instead of thankful that she gets to serve, which that then leads to the fact that she becomes the new object lesson of Jesus' teaching because she gets called anxious and troubled. Understand, Luke is, is, is thinking of what he's going to write. I don't think he started writing in his journal this, this, this book that he gave to us. But he's been thinking about this. And he's watching as Jesus is teaching. He's watching as Jesus is going around and sharing all that he's sharing. And so he's getting ready to court, record things. And I have a thought that he's got, making a mental note about what Jesus is sharing at this very moment. But it gets turned on Martha and she now becomes the object lesson. And the object lesson is, slow down, Martha. Slow down. I mean, we're all there. We're we, we all guilty of that so many times. However, contrast Martha's display with what Mary is doing. In verse 39, it says she's sitting at the Lord's feet. She's listening to his teachings. And so throughout all of time, while we know Martha to be distracted, anxious, and troubled, here's what Mary gets to be remembered for. She's different because she learned the disciplines of choosing, of sitting, and of listening. She learned the disciplines of choosing, of sitting, and of listening. Verse 42 and 39 emphasize both those points. And in fact, if I was going to give you one word that describes Mary and how she got there, Mary is a person of priority. That's a, that's, a, that's a life lesson to take with us. Mary is a person of priority. I think of all these parents who came and dedicated these children here. Their priority I, today was to say, God, we dedicate them to you. And you've got to keep the priority the priority. Each and every one of us has to keep the priority as the priority. I mean, look at the word priority. The root word of that is prior, which means something comes above, something comes before. And so my question to you today is, 
what is above all? What is before all else in your life? Not just in what you would say, because we're in church. We can all give kind of that godly answer, right? We can say, it's God, it's God. Woo, point up to him. But what really is it in your life? In fact, what shows? What would your kids say about you? What would your grandkids say about you? What would your great, great, great grandkids say about you? What is your priority. And I did not say, notice, priorities, as though there are many other, and it's the top one. No, I'm just talking about what is your priority. Not many, just one. Look at what David says. He writes in the Psalm, Psalm 27, he says, One thing I have asked of the Lord, that I will seek after him. Look at how Paul says it. In Philippians chapter 3, verse 13, he says, but one thing I do. And then Luke jumps all over that as well when he's sharing here in this passage in 1042. And he says, but one thing is necessary. As Jesus says this about Mary. Mary has chosen the good portion. So good news, bad news, folks. Good news is it's just one thing. Bad news is if your one thing isn't the one thing then it's not the right thing. So what is the right thing? What is the one thing? Well, Luke already gives that to us. In fact, if you have your Bibles, back up just 11 verses. And there's a story here where Jesus is, is talking with a man. The man says, how do I inherit eternal life? And Jesus points him back to the law that's in place. And the man answers correctly. He says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. Knowing full well that when you do the first thing, the second will follow. Knowing the main thing is the main thing. And then we see a teaching that, write, that Luke writes here that is the Good Samaritan. And that's because they're asked the question, who is my neighbor? And Luke answers that as Jesus told this parable about the Good Samaritan. But notice what comes right after the Good Samaritan. This teaching on Mary and Martha. This teaching that could have gone anywhere in any 24 chapters, but Luke puts it right here in this place. Why? Because he's trying to make the main thing the main thing. He's trying to show the priority that they need to have. And let me say this as well, First Baptist. We don't just talk about this here at First Baptist. We want this to be a reality in our lives. Um, in fact, I came across this great phrase um, we're going to put up on the screen that says, divert daily, withdraw weekly, and abandon annually. I would encourage you to do that. If you have not made that a principle or priority in your life, to divert daily, to get alone with God, because you need that focus upon Him. Withdraw weekly, one seven days. It's a day of rest. Do something differently. And then abandon annually to take some time to refocus your life. Those kind of things will change your life. It will keep the main thing the main thing. It will keep your priority the priority in your life. You know, this is such a, a big teaching for us at First Baptist that our deacons have latched on to this. And a couple of years ago, as a church, they instituted a sabbatical policy for our pastors on our staff. 
And so um, the policy is that any full-time pastor who has served for seven years at First Baptist needs to then take time off. It's like a mandated rest. It's like what Mary's doing here. It's a choosing. It's a visit. It's a listening. It's a sitting at the feet of Jesus. And so all of our eligible pastors have now taken that sabbatical. Um, others will be here in the next few years. Um, but they've come and said, okay, now is your time. Is now a good time to take your sabbatical? And I said, absolutely not. It's not a good time to take our sabbatical. I mean, we think about all that's going on here with this community center and how we're planning towards being here in the fall time, uh, looking at worship pastors and taking those steps and such, and yet we've discussed, and I've discussed with my family, it's the best time to do it because it's God's time to do it. And so I just want to let you know that, that even here at our church, we have said we value rest and what that does, and so we're following that example. And so I, as your senior pastor, will not be here in the months of June and July. Actually, I'll be here at the very end of, of July, but I'll be off for about eight weeks. And the rest of our staff will do a fantastic job of bringing God's word, of running our church and our staff, and all of your needs will be taken care of. We know that because God will equip them. Um, but I, 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 I came across this passage and this timing of all this, and I said, I have to let my church know about this because um, this is a time that we say, okay, put your mouth money where your mouth is. I, it's not as though I'm jumping up and down saying I'm, I'm wanting to, I'm wanting to, I'm wanting to. In fact, many people have asked me, what are you going to do? I don't know yet. I, I honestly don't. Well, my wife and I, we haven't thought a ton about it other than the mandate there is to rest. And, and just before rumors start going out this place as well, let me say this is a sabbatical of rest. There are no issues going on in my life or with our diaconate board and myself saying leave for a while, all right? Uh, that's not the, what we're doing here. I'm not going to another church and starting to look around and be another pastor for another church. I'm glad you did not applaud to that. Or, or uh, I was waiting to see if you would or would not, okay? Okay? Um, actually, my home church in Visalia asked me to speak sometime over the summer. They didn't know I was going to be on sabbatical, and so they said, hey, we're celebrating 150 years of ministry at our church in Visalia. Would you come and share? You're one of the pastors who came out of our church. And I had to say no. I can't because it was in those two months, and you did not tell me to go and do that and get geared up and go deliver a message. I'd love to go to my hometown. I'd love to have some good home cooking from mom and dad. My mom and dad, they're listening to me right now online, and then get to share and to preach. But that's not honoring the sabbatical. That's not honoring the rest of just sitting at the feet of Jesus and listening and choosing what's best. I'm going to encourage you, divert daily, withdraw weekly, abandon annually, and for our pastors on our staff, it's one of those every seven years, we want you to take a break for six or eight weeks, however long that the document board determines that, and get refreshed because the fall is coming. And folks, I got to tell you, we are so excited what God is going to do this fall. We're excited for the summertime, we're excited for the fall time, we're excited what God is going to do in our midst. Even as a church, we have to make sure that we are keeping focus, that we are keeping the priority the priority. I mean, that's why we have a mission statement around here, helping people take their next step in knowing Jesus and making him what? Known. You all know that. That's why we do what we do. In fact, I'm going to end this Mother's Day message just a little bit differently today because... Um, that simple uh, statement, helping people take their next step and knowing Jesus and making him known, has 
helped us as a church and as a staff not to overlook people um, who may fall through the cracks. And so today, uh, I'm going to invite Nikki Lowry to come here in just a moment. Nikki joined our staff as our children's and family pastor about nine months ago. And she has some awesome, exciting ideas for ministry that have already started some wonderful things in our children's ministry and I know within our families. Um, and God touched her life 30-something years ago. So Nikki, why don't you come on up? Um, she's going to get to share what God did in her midst um, uh, in this church. And some of you may have been here at that time, but others of you were not, but it is just a great life lesson for us about what God does uh, in the midst of our hurting and our brokenness. So I want you to hear her story, so would you please welcome Nikki Lowry. God bless you. As Pastor Brad said, as he introduced me, I uh, came back on staff here about nine months ago as the children's and family pastor, and reflecting back on not just these last nine months, but the last year, I can really see the faithfulness of God and how it has continued in my life like a constant thread being sewn in a very deliberate pattern which has been in progress for decades. I praise God for his constancy and his grace and his guiding hand. And as you hear just a short little part of my story today, you're going to see that he protects me and you. He provides. He has held me close. And my testimony is to reflect this verse out of Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8, which reads, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, because he is faithful. My yesterdays of this specific thread of faithfulness began here at First Baptist Church. I grew up here as a kid. And about 30 plus years ago, um, I had a very rough childhood. It was not easy. My parents divorced, my father's very destructive life. We lived in extreme poverty, experienced dysfunction and abuse. We lived in Lodi, but First Baptist Stockton was always our home church. I was the youngest of four, very broken, very isolated, very hurt kids who were deep in crisis. And I didn't know it at the time. But the church staff called a special meeting about us four. It was really a strategy session to answer the question, how can we make sure these kids don't fall through the cracks? That they know that they are loved and valued in the name of Jesus. What a great meeting, huh? Mm. And to answer that question, they came up with some very specific action steps. And so began a very intentional mission to reach out to us. To drive us back and forth to church and home when my mom was working and going to school. To counsel us, to hug us, to let us cry and act out when we didn't know how to process the emotions of, of what we were feeling and, and then redirect us in love. To offer words of encouragement, scriptural truth, prayers, to deliver groceries when we didn't have food, the winter coats when we were without 
and making sure we always had a spot in church events. And to make sure that my brother had godly men in his life to be a role model. Over the past 30 years, my siblings and I have often remarked at this time of God's faithfulness through the expression of his love and this very deliberate, intentional action through the hands and feet of the people at First Baptist really saved our lives in a lot of ways and exposed us to the safe and unconditional love of Jesus Christ and allowed us and it gave us the ability and it was the vehicle to usher us to taste and see the goodness of God during a time of so much bad. We were raw. We were bruised. But God was, as he is, constant and pure. Mm -hmm. Constant and pure. And the staff and leaders and volunteers and congregants here were the hands and feet of that love. It was during that time where every single one of us, all four of us, came to understand our need for a Savior and were all led to the Lord by different leaders in the programs from children's, junior high, and high school programs. We were so thankful for those adults who prayed for us, who were concerned for us, who shared the good news with us, not just in word and teaching, but in deed. Since those childhood days, I've learned how to unpack those years of crisis to give God access to take each one of those wounds and lay them at the feet of Jesus and, and live in complete freedom and health because God restores. Because he repairs what was broken. Because he redeems what the enemy has stolen. Because God had a tomorrow for me. He had a tomorrow for me planned. And I knew that from the scriptural foundation of that time, that God's tomorrows are good plans of a hope and a future. Because his love isn't perverse. It doesn't hurt. It isn't conditional. In fact, it was during this time... And, as part of uh, my childhood faith formation, that nothing can separate me from the love of God, which is in Jesus Christ, my Lord. Amen. This became my foundation. And so my today of this thread of faithfulness of God, which marks such an amazing continuation of how he has worked through the decades, I became the children's pastor in the very church where I experienced the extravagance unfaithfulness of the love of God. God placed me in the very same position to do the same for kids today that was done for me and my siblings so many years ago. I stepped into this position praying that God would lead me to kids like me, that I would be aware of them, that I would make sure that those kids know that they were loved and that they were valued and that they were safe while they're here on these grounds and always by God. And that may these kids experience the pure and unconditional love of God. And in these short nine months that I've been here, I've been able to get to know these kids, to build relationships with these families who are hurting. And I have been able to do the same that was done for me, to offer counsel, to hug them, 
to let them cry on my shoulder, offering words of encouragement, teaching scriptural truth into their lives, redirecting behavior as an outpouring of their hurt, praying for them and over them, delivering groceries for those who are hungry, winter coats for those who are cold. And I cannot tell you how meaningful it has been to give in the area where at one time I so desperately needed to receive. And not simply to help these kids and families, but to help these kids and families in the name of Jesus, pointing them to him, not so they can experience me, but so they can experience him, his constancy and his love and his faithfulness. That is what changes lives. That is what restores. And that is what redeems. Because there is a tomorrow for each one of these kids as there was for me, a promise of a hope and a future, a tomorrow where these kids can be whole and healthy through God and his acceptance, and how he is walking them through this time of their lives, and how they can experience the grace and peace of Jesus Christ. Tomorrows that could possibly be full of ministry. There might be an ex-children's pastor sitting in in Sunday school right now across the way. My life, my testimony, I'm standing here today because I praise God, because of his faithfulness. That is what I want to express is my appreciation for the faithfulness of God and to express my heartfelt thanks to First Baptist. It's staff throughout the years, leaders, volunteers, Sunday school teachers who took action, who wouldn't let me and wouldn't let my siblings slip through the cracks 30-plus years ago. And the amazing thing is, is I want to thank those, same, those staff members today that are doing the same thing, those staff members, those kids, those volunteers, those Awana leaders, those Sunday school teachers that are doing the same things for kids today who need it. In the body of Christ, we are all uniquely gifted. We are all uniquely equipped. And we all have different yesterdays. My story is not your story. However, as a body of believers, we come together we are a spiritual family, and as a spiritual family, we are challenged in this way to love one another as Christ loves us. And so I want to challenge us, all of us in this room, as brothers and sisters in Christ, to be aware of these opportunities to give, to help, to encourage, to pray, to love, to be the hands and feet of Jesus, to be expressions of the faithfulness of God, to connect the weary, the broken, the lost, the sinner, the proud, the humble, the angry, the hurt, all back to the cross. So they may experience God and his faithfulness in such a way where they can experience the purity of his love and who he is. And how he loves transforms lives. How he loves heals. How he loves puts back the broken pieces. So... They will be blessed. We will be blessed to see how God has intricately been working in their lives as well. At one point, they can look back and say, wow, God, you are faithful. Look of how you have worked in my life. I pray that for kids and adults in our ministry. I pray that they would experience God here. I pray that we have the opportunity to minister, to encourage them while they are here, faithfully there, faithfully loving them, sowing traces of his faithfulness through the fabric of all of our lives. And it happens by a church family who lives a life 
of priority, of loving one another. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. That girl can preach, can't she? You will not miss me when I'm gone. She will be sharing from the pulpit as well. First Baptist, let me just end by saying, may we not be the Marthas who are anxious, who are distracted, and miss the people in our lives, miss the priorities that God puts in place. May we be like Mary, who chose to sit, who chose to listen, and chose to make the priorities, God, her priorities, God's priorities. Let's pray. God, I thank you for a time that we can come together as a church family to celebrate what this day means, the gift of your love upon us. For many of us, having a mother in our lives who blessed, Lord, for those who are not able to have perhaps a godly mother, Lord, I thank you that even you step in with those characteristics of love and goodness and blessing in our lives. God, thank you for a time that we're able to be reminded of what our priority should be in life. God, not just one of all the priorities, but God, the priority, searching after you, choosing what is best, choosing to sit at your feet, choosing to listen to you. God, may we be those people who withdraw from our common everyday life, who divert from the daily activities that we do, or even annually do things differently. I thank you even for a church who is saying to our pastoral staff, get away, get alone for a, a certain amount of time so that you can re be refreshed and recharged so that, Lord, we can see what you are doing in our midst even clearer. God, I thank you for your goodness, your blessings upon our ministry, and even now as we worship you with one more song. Lord, may we then go from this place, having been freshened in your teaching and in your word. And Lord, may we live differently. May we live differently, seeing lives around us as you see them. God, be they whole and strong, be they hurt and broken. Lord, may we see with your eyes, may we feel with your hearts. May we do the actions that you would do for us. We love you. We thank you, for it's in the name of Jesus we pray.